Hello, welcome to Motherhood Out Loud, a safe place for mothers to talk openly about their experiences without fear of judgment or shame. Our hope is for women to realize that we're not alone in the variety of emotions we feel and that we're able to provide a more loving community for future moms. Let's take take our our power back and and live motherhood out loud. With Carla and Cindy. Hello, welcome back. Today we have a special guest, Jeanette Carlos, a registered nurse, women's health advocate with a growing social media platform who is currently studying human nutrition and functional medicine to better serve those who, like her, have not found the answers they've been looking for in traditional medicine. Hi, Jeanette. How are you? Hi, Cindy. Hi, Carla. Thank you so much for having me here on your podcast today. Yes, we're so excited. So for just to start off, we want everyone to follow Jeanette. You'll get a lot more of her journey. She's very honest, very raw on her social media platforms, which on Instagram, it's balance.fertility, right? Yes. Yes. Balance.fertility. So go ahead and give her a follow. That's how we'll start it off because you'll find so much information there. It's the same for Facebook and TikTok. There, yes, she's very active on all of those and she gives great information. So Jeanette, can you tell us a bit about your background and how that influenced the way you viewed medicine and the woman's body? Yes, I would love to. But first, I want to thank you, Cindy, for inviting me and Carla for everything that you're doing here on this podcast for the El Paso community, Um, because I believe that this is something that I wish I had, like these stories that you're putting out there. um, We really need them as a community. And I have a huge heart for for women gathering together with their strength and their authenticity and and supporting each other, Um, because I believe here, especially in our border city, we have this side of our very Hispanic, strong, beautiful, strong women, right? (laughs) But we sometimes forget that our true beauty comes from our femininity and knowing how to tap into our gentleness. And um, so I really believe that by you putting out this podcast and allowing women to be vulnerable and share their stories is really, really gathering this community of beautiful women um, that are not afraid to share. Um, So thank you for giving me the opportunity to be here. I guess that kind of really does tie back to your question about what I'm up to and why it is that I feel so strongly about this particular part of a a woman's beauty. Um, And for me, it really is like that because I never felt that way. I I was probably that woman one day that hated to be around women. I didn't even have girlfriends. (laughs) And um, yeah, like I I felt so strongly that I like women are just crazy. (laughs) Like I did not want a relationship with them. And um, well, I've obviously have changed my beliefs a lot. And um, I'll start off by introducing myself. My name is Jeanette. A lot of people know me on social media just as JJ. Um, I was born and raised here in this border city in El Paso, Texas. And about five years ago, I got married to a soldier. So I've been living in Florida, California. And as of this recording, I am now in Alexandria, Virginia, about seven miles away from the White House. (laughs) That's so Um, cool. (laughs) Yeah. I've been a registered nurse for about 10 years. I spend about seven of those working in the intensive care unit, which is where I met you. You, Cindy. Yeah. Um, but I can definitely say that I am a complete different human being from that girl that you knew back back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, really, my journey, I suppose, started about five years into my nursing career when I found out that I did not know how to have sex to make a baby. And <laughs> I know this may sound very um, 
weird to people, especially being a nurse. Like, what do you mean? Um, but I mean, I knew the, the basics. I knew that um, sperm has to travel up the cervix into the fallopian tube. I knew there was an egg and a sperm. I knew that your egg died within 12 and 24 hours. And if it wasn't fertilized, you couldn't do it. I knew that intellectually. I did mm -hmm. not know what that meant exper experientially. I don't know if that's a word. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I just made it up today. But um, basically what that meant for me is that I was very still living under that fear-based education about um, sexuality that we grew up with as, as children that teaches us every sexual encounter is going to lead to a pregnancy. pregnancy. So mm -hmm. you better not do it. And the funny yeah. thing is that we, we're not taught, we're not giving, we're not given any um, direction. All we're told is that sex is bad. You just don't do it. And the only way to avoid pregnancy is by abstinence. And then if you do get that lucky parent that is going to teach you how to put on a condom or how to use protection, um, that is really it. We're just being mm. tossed. This is our only option. You go to the doctor, you get your birth control or you use condoms. Um, but even then, it's we're really on our own figuring out what that means for us. And um, maybe a lot of your listeners have the same views about their sexuality, especially if they got pregnant very young um, because they never mm. really had the opportunity to really learn what it is that their bodies do and how how they work so that this happens. And so if that happened to you when you're really young, you grow up most of your 20s being afraid that this is just another thing that can happen. So I better like suppress my fertility. I better not think about my fertility or I'm going to do everything in my power to avoid this pregnancy that I don't want in this moment. Mm. Um, you know, and so if I'm being very honest, I grew up very detached from my lower half. Um, and it wasn't until I started my own conception journey that I began unraveling all this magical, beautiful work inside my body and slowly, but surely like my, my perspective and, um, about my body just began to, to show me this curiosity about learning who I am from within. Um, I learned along the way that men were fertile 100% of the time. And we as females are only fertile for about four to six days out of our cycle. And this was incredible for me, yeah. especially because we're being told our entire reproductive life, we need to shut off our fertility, our entire system, when it's only there to get us pregnant literally four to six days out of our cycle and men don't get told that they are responsible for these unintended pregnancies right so i know that you you interviewed my dear friend carrie beatner on your podcast recently yeah. and i hope if listeners are finding this conversation interesting um that they go back to listen to that episode but uh, my story really does um i feel tie in a lot about just me learning about my own fertility and um, everything that I felt should be ancestral knowledge passed on to us as women. And here I am as a woman who never got that. And as a healthcare professional who was failed by my educational system. And now I'm here um, responsible well, I mean, if I had been working in labor and delivery or if I had any other roles as a nurse, which happens to a lot of medical professionals, we don't know how to guide women into into understanding their bodies because we are not taught. So that's a little bit about me. <laughs> no, that's beautiful. I think, I mean, I see Carla shaking her head the whole time because I think we can relate so much to just 
you know, we, we didn't know. And like you said, it, we're kind of told to shut off our bodies and, and in so many ways in society. Cause like now that you brought up labor and delivery, like me as a doula, I see that at, as nurses, you know, on the floor that they're taught to kind of like you get your epidural and you just like shut up and like, we'll figure it out. Like kind of thing. We control that narrative as much as we can too in the same way that they want to control telling us like you're solely responsible for this and you know not the little details that are so important and it's it's amazing the work that you're doing and it's very inspiring so I know you talked about some of the preconceptions already that you thought about surrounding getting pregnant are there any others that you wanted to add um for me I mean I guess it really did start um just very early as a kid, I never wanted kids. The moment I found out kids came out of a vagina, I was like, nope, that's not for me. <laughs> and I think that stayed with me up until most of my teenage years. And then in my early 20s, I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to get married one day. I guess I'll force myself to push out one or two kids. But that's it. You know, so it was a it was a, my perception was one of those is this is something that I must endure. And that language to me is a very like I say that very intentionally. It, that language was the language in, in, in my thoughts. And, and um, I'm very intentional about my words. Um, so for me, that was very, very strong. And, and I feel like I'm not alone. I feel like a lot of women also feel that way. It's like, uh, I guess if you're in love, this is just what happens. You, you just have kids. Um, and I think that all of that just came because I was so detached from my fertility. In fact, I didn't even know that fertility mattered and it was far beyond having babies. And it's more about my health. Um, at that point, I also thought that any couple, even the happy couples that wanted babies, if they wanted a kid, it was always going to happen as an unplanned pregnancy. Because in my head, I'm like, who would who would rationally plan to have a child and have to like raise them financially and not be able to sleep in? Like to me, that didn't make sense. Like who does that? Like of <laughs> course, all pregnancies must be accidents, <laughs> even the wanted ones. In my head, that's really how I saw it. But anyway, I got married. <laughs> um, I matured. My thoughts changed around motherhood. Um, my, I found that my thoughts were actually softened. Um, but the fear of an accidental pregnancy never really went away. So my views mm. about conception only began to radically change when I learned who I was in my body, if that makes sense. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And can you take us a little bit into your fertility journey that, you know, I know you had these thoughts of not wanting to become a mom and kind of, you know, not really knowing much about how to get, which I mean, none of us did. I, we've talked about this before. Like we didn't know that either. We were just like, if you have sex, you'll get pregnant. And it's like, no, not all. That's not how it works. But how could you take us to the beginning of your fertility journey and how that's developed? Oh, I can definitely take you to the beginning. It started in <laughs> June 2017 in a beautiful oceanfront property hotel room in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. <laughs> no, you really, you don't forget moments like that. Yeah. Um, this, uh, I, I had been married for about a year. And um, it's almost embarrassing for me to remember this story, actually, and to tell it <laughs> in public because it really speaks to my ignorance. And I, I was a nurse, okay? So I'm here mm -hmm. as a professional. And my husband and I were out there on a trip and we just got carried away by the beauty and we had unprotected sex for the very first time. <laughs> and um, we were just, it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was wonderful. And then I laid there in bed freaking out. Like I was sure mm -hmm. I'm pregnant. 
like I'm pregnant and we didn't, I mean, if you know my husband, like my husband like doesn't do anything without thinking or planning. And so the fact that he got mm-hmm. carried away, I was like, oh my God, what does this what mean? Like, <laughs> yes. And we literally just laid there in bed talking about baby names. And, and we just knew we were going to be pregnant. In fact, um, that two week wait, I bought a pregnancy test and I even bought my husband a gift because that's how I planned to tell him that I was pregnant. I ordered it from wow. Amazon and I had it waiting for me. Um, and so needless to say, I was shocked when that pregnancy test was negative. Um, three months later, I still wasn't pregnant. And it was like a huge reality check and a slap in the face because I really had to sit there and reevaluate everything that I had been told about pregnancy and sexuality. Um, that really shocked me, Cindy. Um, mm-hmm. And looking back, that like if you know my story and especially how much I love charting my cycles and, and knowing where I am in my, in, in my fer- fertility menstrual cycle journey. Um, it really makes me laugh at myself, like how ignorant that I thought I would just have sex and be pregnant. Um, simultaneously mm. around this time, I'll take, I'll tell you another story because I feel like this really ties in with really how my thoughts about fertility truly began to change. And surprisingly, it had nothing to do with hormones and fertility. It had to do with childbirth. And it also, the way that I encountered those thoughts happened almost by accident. And again, from that mentality of I was being forced. So here I am about a a year into my marriage. And then one day I was getting ready. And then the thought suddenly occurred to me, oh my God, the next stage in our marriage is pregnancy and motherhood I'm gonna get pregnant and and (laughs) I'm not kidding you the second thought that followed was this shocking realization oh my god I'm going to be a patient in a hospital Mm -hmm. that killed me because as a nurse like especially in the ICU Mm -hmm. the last thing I ever want to be is a patient (laughs) in a hospital that scared me and I started thinking well clearly I mean I mean I'm gonna be a patient in the hospital and I must manage this so I'm gonna start researching the labor and delivery protocols I need to know the titration rate of pitocin because I need to be prepared when I go into birth here I am this is before my unprotected sex story this is before my husband and I ever thought about having children this is just my nurse brain freaking out that I'm going to be a patient and I need to be in control of this situation. (laughs) So I know you're probably thinking, oh my God, she's wild and crazy. But this is really, I think sharing that for me shines the, the fear behind the way we approach childbirth. Maybe not to the extreme of that nurse wanting to titrate your own Pitocin drip, but in so many ways, women I feel go through a lot of their pregnancies and birth stories by detaching themselves. This is just something that my body is going to do. And then the people in the hospital are going to do it for me. I feel like, um, I mean, you've had a lot of people share their stories in your podcast and, and, and I mean, I don't even have to go into details, but I think in, in a way that was me also um, managing this part of, of my body well, I start by looking up podcasts because in, in reality, at this moment, I didn't know home births were a thing. In fact, the only thing that I knew of home births were that it only happened in Utah and it only happened um, by accident. Like the women that didn't get to the uh-huh. hospital in time. That, those were the only people that were birthing at home or in a car. 
And so I started researching podcasts and I found this episode. I don't even know what it was called. I wasn't even interested in the podcast. I just liked the title of it. I clicked it. I listened to it and I was blown away because this particular podcast, and I don't even know what it's called because it's been so long ago. I don't even know if it's still airing, but it was a podcast made by two doulas for doulas. So this was more about talking about the the business side of a doula. Cindy, I didn't know what a doula was. I literally just jumped into to this episode and, and my whole world was like, wait, wait, wait. So not only do people give home, like do homeworks on purpose, but there's like these things called doulas. <laughs> you know, that was like my, my first entrance into this. And I, I encountered other podcasts just on home birthing stories and I think for me, just listening to a home birth story, because because I mean, I know, Cindy, that you've had one yourself, but you don't just accidentally have a home birth. In fact, if you're having a home birth, like you're probably one of the most informed women out there <laughs> in the country um, because you, you have a purpose. And, and I, I would encourage you if people are listening to this podcast and they're not familiar with your story, Cindy, I mean, I, I would just ask, like, be curious. Why is it that an ICU nurse would want to have a home birth? I'm not saying you need to have one, but at least be curious. Like, why? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that, that was just my revelation. I, I watched YouTube videos. I read books. Ina Mae Gaskin. Um, the, the YouTube videos that I found, because again, this is me breaking preconceptions of what birthing looks like, where it's painful, it hurts, and it's horrible. And then here I am watching women with like peace on their face. They weren't making noises. They were calm. They were smiling. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I guess to reel it back in, um, this was the first time that I started to awaken my senses to this new thing that apparently I possessed inside my body. I didn't know that I had options, Cindy. And so for me, even though I was going in there like grudgingly, like, ah, this is just a forced pregnancy that I'm going to have to endure. I, I, for the first time, it was like, wait a minute this can be something beautiful. And not only is it beautiful, but it's actually tied in with my creation and the way that my body was designed. What a gift. Men don't get this gift. We as women get the gift to be one with our creator, to create life within us. And I, I was in love that like, yeah, my world changed. <laughs> and then uh, Jeanette, from the time that you had that unprotected sex moment with your husband, I guess right before then, were you still kind of like, ah, like I'll have kids, but it's kind of like I am have to, it's the next step before that ha event happened? So we never talked about it. My, okay. it. Like literally, it was just me one day having that realization, oh my God, I'm going to be pregnant. I'm going to be a patient. Oh my God. And then I started listening. So I had been listening to podcasts, watching um, birth videos for about three, four months before that night in Fort Lauderdale. And um, okay. I had never brought it up to my husband because it was not, we, I think we were barely going to go on our one year anniversary. So I don't think um, it was, it was something that we were ready to discuss. We were not there in our marriage, but I knew that I needed the work internally. And so to answer your question, it was those videos, it was those podcasts, it was that reframing of birth 
that softened my heart, that softened my thoughts, that allowed me to open up to the beauty of my creation. Because this has no, that had nothing to do with giving birth or becoming a mother. It was just me falling in love with my body. And um, so when Fort Lauderdale happened, I was shocked and freaking out that I was pregnant, but it was more because my husband and I had never thought about it. That day in that hotel room was the first time that we entertained ourselves as parents. And um, yeah, that to, that buying the pregnancy test and buying him the the gift was such a shock to me to to realize that I wasn't pregnant that's that month. Um, and right. that is what escalated those three months of trying and and not being pregnant was really what escalated me to actually start trying to learn how you have sex to make babies. So that brings me back to really why I do what I do, because five years into my nursing career, I seriously did not know how to have sex to make a baby. Oh, my God. I'm like shocked with everything you're saying because you're so right. We spent what since the moment we get our period right in our teens and we go into our 20s college, right? It's like we're so eagerly trying to avoid a pregnancy. Like that is the whole purpose of our like sexuality is like we're avoiding a pregnancy because we're going to get pregnant like you said you have sex once and you're already thinking oh my god i need to get a plan b oh my god like is do i want a baby like you start freaking out but then it's it's a beautiful what you say about your mind change and what you were saying about enduring because i can relate to that i can tell you the story of carla pre-pregnancy pre-wanting pregnancy i wanted to say I want to be drugged up when I deliver. Like, give me all the epidural. Like, I don't need to be conscious when my baby's born. Like, I used to say stuff like this and thinking that I was going to get pregnant. Like, oh, yeah. Like, my husband and I dated for so long before we actually got married. So when we got married, I was literally off birth control the day of our wedding. My only thought was, I don't want to get pregnant on my wedding dress. But that was it. If I got pregnant the day after, I would have been static. And then to go 14 months of actively trying it, it's such a journey of I just laugh at myself at my 20 year old self thinking I'm never gonna I'm, I'm not gonna have a baby and then when I do I'm gonna endure it like you say I'm gonna go into the hospital and I'm gonna be drugged and give me all the epidural give me all the drugs I don't need to be conscious and then to have that mindset change of like purposely change. like you say you have to purposely have sex to have a baby is not just going to happen. And then you start having this change. And like you say, finding yourself and finding what's happening within you. Because then you start questioning, was something wrong with me? Right? You go from, I'm this sex machine that's going to pop 20 kids to like, I can't even do it right now. Like what's happening? And then wanting that baby and then trying for so long to the point where I'm like, I want to feel everything. Like I don't want an epidural. I want a doula. Like I never knew what a doula was before pregnancy, right? It's like, if I could see myself, I could talk to my 20 year old self back then and be like, girl, you wanted to be drugged too. Women, this woman that you are now says drug-free birth. You want to embrace everything because it took you so long to get there. You want to feel everything. And the thing is like, and I've told this to people, it's like mine wasn't painful. It was it was such an experience, but it wasn't people. It's such a good memory. But it's like, I relate so much with what you're saying about everything. Because I'm like, yes. Like, how did I spend a decade of my life trying to shut off something that's so important to me? And here I am in my 30s, trying to bring it back, trying to when what, not that our fertility is gone, but it's like, I wasted a whole decade of my life shutting down 
a mm-hmm. big identity of who I am. And, mm-hmm. and I don't want that for my daughter. Right. And so I love that we're doing this because right. I'm like, she's two, she's nowhere near having kids, but I don't want her to shut off such an important part. None of the women in our, that are listening to this, I never want them to shut down for a decade of the best mm-hmm. years of your life, your 20s. I mean, you may have better years, but such a long time to say, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to shut it off. Like, let's not do that. <laughs> yeah, especially because like everyone, like you said, Carla, for you, your mind shifted so much and it became so important to you, you know, and to let those, you know, listeners or our daughters, our nieces know that like it might not seem important to you at certain points in your life and you might be like how Jeanette was like, I don't want kids, like never, never, never. You might feel that for a while, but things change. So know how to honor, protect that part of you for when one day maybe you're, that's going to be the thing you're chasing so much, you know? And I mean, from, I think we can all agree, like you become kind of obsessive with like, I can't get pregnant. Why? And it's just like this whole, like your whole mind is focused on like, why am I not getting pregnant? This was supposed to be easy. You know, like it's just, it's crazy. But Jenna, I think that's a perfect transition into you telling us what you mean by conscious conception. Because I've never heard that term. So I'm like, like I kind of get it, but <laughs> you can explain better. <laughs> oh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to elaborate on that because this is something that I actually encountered very intuitively at first. I had never heard anybody else use it. It was it was an experience that I was having. And the weird thing is that it actually began in about 2012. Um, this is before I was married, before even my thoughts of motherhood began to soften. It really happened when I encountered this verse in the Bible that said, God knew you before he knit you into your mother's womb. And at that point, I was very moved by that realization that that was for me. Like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Someone loves me so, so much that they would take the time to know me and weave every intricate detail about myself, who I am, who I'm going to be in this earth, my imperfections and everything that I hated about myself included. And this was really the first time that, or maybe my first lesson in where I began to open myself up to the goodness inside of me and my own beauty. Because back then I really struggled with self-esteem and it wasn't like people thinking that I, that I was ugly. It was more about me. I attacked myself and who I was. I did not like who I saw in the mirror. And Somehow, just thinking that God, the creator of the universe, created me and everything that I hated about myself just didn't make sense now. Because that meant that I was questioning his beauty standards and that I was comparing my beauty to somebody else's. And, you know, even now, I I feel like (laughs) I laugh about this, but back when we were young and cool, Thin, plucked out eyebrows were the beauty standard. And now you try to convince a teenager to pluck out their eyebrows, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> you're, you're part, you're the part in your hair. If it's in the middle, now you're cool. But if it's in the side, you're like not cool. And we have these changing beauty standards with it's like an iPhone. Every year, fashion changes. The, the, the height of our jeans 
changes, how tight, how baggy our pants are. That beauty standard is based on somebody else's. And I lived all my teenage years comparing myself to somebody else's standards. And I think that when I came home, I I realized, wow, I, I can feel better about myself because my standards are are for God's view. He, the one that created me with all these imperfections, it's like a fingerprint. Everybody has a different fingerprint. And for me to hate myself because I'm not skinny enough, I'm too fat, I'm too this, I'm too that. I am I am not I am not living in gratitude of the one who looked at me and thought, wow, the world needs one of you out there with your hair, with your crazy eyes, with with you. And now I can like confidently look into the mirror and say that I'm beautiful. And it's not because I'm beautiful to you, but because I know that I'm beautiful in the image of my creator. Like he he picked me. And I know you're thinking, okay, what does this have to do with conception and making babies? Well, at that time, I obviously... It, that this was me. Um, I didn't think about it as as birthing a baby. It was more birthing myself. And I think this really, truly began that journey. I don't think I had this language back then either, but it truly began a process in me of birthing the mother that I that I'm going to be. And it really began from me changing my views and how I feel about myself. And um, I don't take that lightly. Um, simultaneously around the time that this was happening, um, I started thinking, wait, if God felt this way about me and he created me before I was even born, then my babies exist right now. And that like changed my world. I was like, wait a minute, my children exist right now and they're loved so much and they're created so uniquely that they have a purpose that they're going to come into existence into this earth at a specific time and they that that just like moved me like I don't know how that makes you feel but just to know that someone has thought about the purpose of your children before they were even created like that that was that was mind-blowing to me yeah and of, of course it wasn't until I was married um or thinking that I wanted kids um I actually, this kind of helped me to start writing letters to my unborn children. This was in 2012, again, long before I got married, long before I even met my husband, or long before I even knew that I wanted children. I just knew mm. there was a child out there that was mine, and I was connecting with her and him. Um, I, I didn't know it at the time, but I, I've been doing this for over 10 years. So I think now when I approach my children, like I, I can feel this feminine and masculine energy. So I know there's like this boy and this girl. And um, I know it may sound really, really weird. It doesn't come like this to everybody, but I've been connecting with my children for so long that it that relationship has evolved and it has grown. Um, again, that is more of the intuitive part of it that just came very natural. Fast forward to me diving into fertility and learning all about pregnancy and motherhood. Well, this really like made everything for me. <laughs> the day that I learned that as a baby girl, when you're pregnant by like 20 weeks, you have all the eggs that you will ever have in your reproductive life. So that means, Cindy, that your grandmother carried you in her womb because when she was pregnant with your mother, you existed. 
as this tiny yeah. little follicle in her ovaries. <laughs> and <laughs> that so just cool. blew my mind. You existed in your grandmother. And so that, like, I walk around, like, thinking I, I, in my body, I, I am the steward of my grandchildren. Like, how about that for a legacy? Like, that just moves me. And not only that, but when you learn more, you, you find that the egg that you're going to ovulate in this cycle, and even the sperm that gets ejaculated today, that maturation of those gametes, the follicles, began to happen 74 to 120 days before. So to me, one of the reasons why I, I'm studying nutrition right now is because I've come to realize that my lifestyle, what I'm eating right now is creating my baby. And mm. it's, it's this thing where we live in this society where we live so afraid of a pregnancy that we detach. And you know, everything that you said, Carla, I relate so much. It is true. We all live these blinded lives about our fertility because this is not something that matters or it's not something that's important. It's just something that we hide and suppress and we just, it's just an annoyance until we're ready to have a kid, which let's face mm -hmm. it, it only happens about one or two times, maybe three or four in a reproductive lifetime. And the rest of those years were left hidden. Um, and, and, and then we worry about our pregnancy the day we find out we're pregnant. That's when we plan our birth. Mm -hmm. That's when we start to um, think about our children. But in reality, you've been creating your children. I mean, you're, there was a part of a DNA that existed in a grandmother. <laughs> and now you have the power to create healthy, strong babies by the food that you're eating, by the way that you're honoring your body on any given day. And I'd like to end with this in this particular question. You know, as mothers, we spend so much time and money fixing the perfect nursery, the getting the perfect crib and getting the perfect color. And we never stop to take care and nurture our wounds, which is our child's first home. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's that amazing. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> That's, oh. and I mean, I think Carla could relate to kind of like, and I'm speaking for her just because I'm making these connections in my mind, but I always trip, like I always trip out because Carla was so sure she was going to have a daughter and I've never had that like connection, kind of how you're describing that, like you have your feminine and your ma masculine energy and like, you know, you have this daughter and son and I never, that was just not my, I guess I wasn't like intuitive in that way, but I, I always trip out when people tell me that because like. I, I see Carla and she would always tell me like, no, we're having a daughter. I have the name picked out. I've had the name picked out forever. And I'm just like, and when she had a daughter, I was like, what the heck? <laughs> you know, like, how did you know what's with this magic? But no, I mean, that's like, that to me is like, cause I had listened to the podcast that you came on, Jeanette, I think. And you were talking about, I forgot if they're what you call it was a book like spirit babies or I can't remember, but you talked about that, like about having the connection to your children. And I guess if you're not there, if you're not exploring that, it sounds a little bit like odd, you know, I'm not going to lie, like listening to it. I'm kind of like, it's kind of odd because it's not my experience. And so it's, it's so interesting to me because talking about that conscious conception, you're just so in tune with like it's not going to happen just by accident. There's so many layers. There's so many things that we can 
you know, as much as we like to control things, you know, we like, we can like take power in so many parts of our fertility. And I mean, everything you said, amazing. (laughs) Thank you, Cindy. I felt that the mic drop (laughs) with your silence. (laughs) Yeah, I was just like, I feel very received. Um, this is something that is very, very dear to me um, because I, um, like I said, this is something that even when it started back in 2012, it didn't, it didn't happen like that. It didn't happen overnight. In fact, I didn't know that I had a daughter. It, it was more, I'm going to write letters because I'm living a truth right now. I am experiencing I, uh, this growth of my spirituality. And I think that had to do a lot with it and my growth in who I was in God that he was shaping me and molding me. And I was just fixing a lot of these um, childhood traumas that I had. And it was so important for me to leave a legacy, a note, a something of who I am to to this child that I was going to create. Um, but I didn't mm-hmm. have I did it. I'd never thought about it as a girl. I never thought about it as, oh, I'm going to write this because I want her to read this. No, no, no. It was just it, it 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 was more something that I needed to get out of me. The the relationship has evolved, Cindy. It's been ten years for me right. talking to my children. So now I I fe- I feel there's a girl. In fact, I felt there was three, um, but one uh, for several years I haven't heard much. It's almost like in, in the book and. The, when you talk about spirit babies, if you're, if you believe into that, we believe that um, some babies are here for us to guide us, but they're not, maybe not going to be present here on earth. I don't know if that makes sense, but mm-hmm. for me, it's like, I am, I, I, I just feel very connected to two babies in this moment in time. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I need to read that book. I had heard it on your podcast and I'm like, I need to read it. But <laughs> Jeanette, so How has, I mean, so when you started to realize that you weren't getting pregnant as easily, what, what kept you, did you start becoming like, I know how, you know, me and Carla have experienced, you do start becoming very obsessed with getting pregnant and like, why is it not happening? And what kept you, and I don't know, maybe your perspective is different. What kept you searching for answers in that journey to conception? (laughs) Oh yeah, I should probably add. Um, I don't have children. <laughs> I think right. I don't think we've said that. <laughs> we have. We haven't. And that, I actually had to explain that to Carla too. And I'm like, oh, she doesn't have children yet. Um, but this is talking about you've just taken such a unique journey, and not everyone, you know, has that experience. It's 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 so interesting. Thank you, Cindy. Yes. Um, I, I guess it's a good time to say that. Yes, I am. I guess to many of your listeners, I would not qualify as a mother. Um, mm. I consider myself a mother because I I never would have been able to birth this mother if I had not started this conscious conception that happened years ago. Right. For many of us, motherhood happens when we give birth. And we, we maybe to some, it happens when we find out we're pregnant or to others, once they have their babies and they meet their babies for the first time. For me, I understood that my impact, who I was, 
was going to deeply transform or affect a child's life and the way that they live in the earth because of me, because I am the one raising them, because they see who I am, they, they, they learn from me. And so these preconceptions are going to come from me. And I was very afraid of that because there was a lot of hurt inside of me. There was a lot of pain inside of me. I grew up in a very traumatic environment and I did not know what love was. And so for me, it was very important to heal that because I don't know if you've heard of like transgenerational trauma. But in some uh, therapy communities, you know, whatever you're not healing within you is what you're passing on to your children. Um, Sometimes it could be good, right? Like I like to think that everything that I wasn't happy about my parents kind of made me become this strong, independent, educated woman because I didn't want to be like them. But and I think a lot of teenagers and maybe in our early life, we really do like to think, oh, I never want to be like my mom. But then we grow up and we realize, oh my God, we are like our parents. <laughs> and so for me, um, I know this is like a long, long answer, but I had to birth that out of me to get rid of that fear that I was going to pass on this like nastiness to my children. Um, and it, this is not to say that I am a perfect human now, that I... That, in fact, I like to think that my infertility is a weight that I am on because I believe that there is a part of me that still needs growth, that still needs transformation before my babies feel like it's safe and it's their time. And I don't know if I'm there yet. I want to think that I am, <laughs> but right. I don't know if I'm there. And I guess to answer your question, um, I, I've my fertility journey, I, I guess it's infertility journey, has been mm. ongoing for over four years. My husband and I have been trying to have a baby since basically that time in Fort Lauderdale. And um, for anybody on your podcast that is a mother and who hasn't struggled to get pregnant, I would say that it's very hard to relate to women like me. Because in our society, it's just much more common to relate to someone that wants an abortion than to relate to someone who wants a baby and is grieving every cycle because they don't have one. Because these ideas that we have about our fertility and how we need to suppress it and hide from it just kind of leads us to automatically assume that the answer to infertility is just adoption and it's just going through IVF. Um, both of which are very personal um, journeys. Um, And the journey of infertility in itself is one of a lot of loss because people don't realize that infertility is not something that like, oh, it's been five years. Oh, it's been three years. No, 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 no. It's every single day. I am waking up. Mm. I'm looking for cervical mucus. Am I fertile? Am I not? Oh my God, it's, I'm, I've already ovulated. Am I pregnant? Do I have to take um, a, a pregnancy test? Oh my God, I'm not pregnant. And that day that I take a pregnancy test and it's negative, and then I go to the store and somebody asks me, hey, do you have children? Like it's that, that realization. Wow, I've been trying for five years and the stranger literally just asked me, do you have children? Which is so innocent. 
But yet Mm -hmm. it's so painful because that is just not what we think of. I also want to say that for your listeners who are hearing me talk, and probably if you were following my Instagram account, you know that I'm very positive. (laughs) In fact, the fact that I would even consider myself a mother now is probably very outlandish to many, especially in the infertility community. I feel like I don't relate a lot to my infertility sisters in that sense, um, because there's a lot of grief, sometimes a lot of negativity. Um, I, I don't want the women in your podcast to listen to my story and say, oh, she, she handled it so well. It's like not really a big deal because everybody handles it very different. So I'm going to share what keeps me going and searching for answers. Um, basically for me, what it came down to is that for three and a half years of my four years of infertility, doctors couldn't tell me why I couldn't get pregnant. They diagnosed me with unexplained infertility and I did not buy that. I was like, nope, how, how are you going to tell me that you don't know why I can't get pregnant? And then my only option now is IVF. I just didn't buy that. And so for me, it was a matter of searching for answers, finding the right team, finding the right doctors that could heal me and that could have a plan for me. Um, and also on a more um, personal side, it's my marriage to be honest with you, the most beautiful part about me and my husband is us together. And what we realize is that we don't look for children to complete us or to fill up empty voids in our relationship. We work daily to love and to respect each other. And that alone is so much hard work without children. So in a way, um, just having a very good partner that understands and supports me and is there. I I may sound very arrogant when I say that, but I truly feel that any child who joins the Carlos clan team is lucky. Like these children need to be lining up because my husband and I, like (laughs) we're a great team. We are definitely a great team. And um, I find a lot of comfort in my relationship with my husband and who we are as a couple before we call each other parents. No. And I think to your comments about like, you know, that you, you are a mother. I I agree with you because I think you've worked so much on developing yourself as a mother, right? That's been a big focus of your journey is, you know, your journey to motherhood has been developing who you want to be as a mom. And you may not have your kids here physically yet, but that's like a big battle because I think that's something that me and Carla could attest to that we work on daily. And I didn't prep much for the actual mothering of my child. And I'm kind of doing it now, like, you know, kind of going with the flow, trying to figure out who is this little guy and who do I want to be. So I think it's so cool that I mean, it's not cool that you're in an infertility journey, but it's how you've used your time to reframe like you're developing as a mom. 
And I think that's beautiful. So I think you are a mother. You're on a motherhood journey. And that's, you know, you, that's what, what's linking all of us, you know. And it's not um, to belittle anyone, any mother out there yeah. who's not sleeping and is breastfeeding right now and is like thinking, oh, it's so easy for you to say because you don't have children. <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying that. But what I am right. saying is that, Cindy, even in what you shared, there's absolutely nothing wrong with your journey. Because to some, maybe to many mothers, I would say, their children were brought into this earth. Maybe if you got pregnant really young mm -hmm. to bring out that side of you, to awaken that aspect of you. Right. Uh, I truly feel, I mean, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but if, if you experience an unplanned pregnancy and now you look at your child and you say, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I, I it's because that child awoken something in you that was meant to be. And without this right. particular child, that that growth wouldn't have happened. And and maybe that is your walk. This is something that I try to tell a lot of my 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 infertility sisters because there's a lot of comparison. Um, and like, oh, you know, with infertility, it's like if you get pregnant, now you don't belong in the group. You get kicked out because it's like, oh, you're already, you already have you already a kid. Have so the it's kid. Like, you're not cool <laughs> enough. But then I don't fit in with the other moms. But what I like right. to say is that we cannot compare our journeys because to me, God has a plan for all of us. And I'm not in any way saying that God is causing this infertility for anybody. But I think that our growth and who we are as women has, has, a, there's so much purpose in it when we truly find out who we are and what we're going to be. And I don't think a lot of women stop to think about the power that they have when they mother. They're literally transforming humans that are going out there to change the world or they're going to make the world a bad place. And you right. as a mother and a father, you have that power. Um, so yes, I, I don't say that in any way to belittle anyone, anyone else's motherhood journey, whether it's through motherhood or infertility. It is just basically uh, just throwing it out there that all our journeys are different. Yeah, no, it's a big spectrum, and you know everybody has a place here. I think that's the everyone has a seat at this table here at this podcast because we're all on different parts of the journey. We're all experiencing things differently, and that's. That's kind of the beauty of it and the reason why is because we want we want voices like yours, you know, that it hasn't been this easy thing and it, you know, it's still ongoing and we need to hear those perspectives because I I have friends that reach out to me and people I haven't talked to in a long time and they'll tell me like hey, like I'm going through, you know, I I'm trying to get pregnant and it's been taking me a really long time and you know, and I and I, I had someone tell me like I hate to even see anything that says the word fertility in it, because they have you know they're going on their own journey and they're but they're finding a place here because they're hearing voices like you, where it's not like you got pregnant on the first try and boom baby you know it's like no there's so there's so many other women that don't talk much about it because I don't know either they they have a lot of shame still or they're shamed by society because they're like, oh, you shut up, don't talk, you know, kind of thing like, oh, we don't want to hear about your sad story. But that goes along a lot of what I say and like how we go through seasons in life at the end of the day, like we go through different perspectives and, you know, maybe like you were saying, like if you had a teen pregnancy or you had your child really young and there's maybe not what you have 
plan intentionally and it changed you and you became a better person or whatever growth you had to do, right? Doesn't mean you were a bad person to begin with. But there's also like, and that's what I say is that you don't know what you don't know. And it's until you kind of surround yourself with different perspectives. Like I have a friend, she is on her second baby right now. She's pregnant. She got pregnant on her first cycle with both, right? But she has a really good friend from her spouse that they're on the IVF treatment right now and they're finally pregnant. And she says that is like, I wanted to know about that infertility because I need to understand how to be a friend to them, right? Just be, and you may get pregnant the first time. And, you know, that's kind of like one of my fears. Like I struggle with Cassian and I'm like, maybe I get pregnant fast. But I've heard so many women that get so easily pregnant the first time that they think I'm going to have sex again when I'm ready and I'm going to have a second baby. And then here's one year, two years, three years. And then they're having this secondary infertility that we can't explain, right? And it's it's learning these perspectives and like, yes, we want to be mothers and we all mother in one way. And I relate so much what you said, Janet, because it's true, like, I may have not had a biological child until my daughter was born, but people that know my story know that technically my brother was my first child and we have more of a mother and son relationship than we do a brother and sister. And I mothered him and I'm glad and I got to experience so much with him. But I also want to know, because before I'm a mother, first and foremost, I'm a woman. That's who I am. And that mm. is the identity that I identify with. I embrace my femininity a lot now. I, yes, I'm a strong woman. I never want to be a man. I want to embrace what I am and who I am. And part of that is being sisters in arms with the women, whatever journey they're in, whether they want to become a mom, whether they're in their early teens and they're not wanting to be a mom, but going through that womanhood journey. And whenever the motherhood door mm-hmm. opens, then we're there for one another and understanding the stories and like the stories that you're sharing, it speaks so much to what you say is like, sometimes you're a mom now, you're not in the infertility community, but you have so much wisdom to share with anybody else, so much support, and you can really relate to it. And if you never struggled to, with infertility, you can still relate as a woman to someone else. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just like you're a mom. Or you're not a mom. Like that, the right that kind of like it's what starts fermenting that like I feel like what starts breaking us up as women. And then when we're in the thralls of like newborn stage and motherhood, we feel so alone because we were previously like secluding each other where you're this and I'm that, and we're not gonna relate. When like let's let's go back to the baseline. We're women, let's be here for one another and like sharing your journey and sharing your perspectives because it's until you hear other stories, then you're like oh, I didn't know what a home birth was. It was just a mistake. No, you started like getting into this community and whatever support you can give someone mm-hmm. else, like get their hand and help them. Like don't just watch them from afar. It's like something that kind of like right. breaks me so much. And it's like, I love your story. And, you know, like the way that you're mothering right now and the way that you're connecting with your future children, it's, you're here with us. You're one of us. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, you. you are one of us. <laughs> That means a lot. Thank you, Carla. Now we're all going to cry. I know. I was like, are we all going to start crying right now? (laughs) We're all in this together, right? I know. I'm like, I don't even know. Do we end it now? Just kidding. (laughs) Is that how this ends? Just kidding. (laughs) Um, Jeanette, so 
I know that you use, and you're very open about this on your page as well. You went, you use fertility awareness methods and NAPRO technology to help you find those answers that modern, you know, the traditional like OBGYNs and all of that were not giving you. Um, how did you find fertility awareness and how did it help you diagnose this quote unquote unexplained infertility or new diagnosis, I guess, right? That's what it would be. But Yes. Um, thank you again for bringing awareness just to that alone, Cindy. Fertility awareness, um, <laughs> that could be a podcast in itself. Uh, I but know. Basically, We're going to do a part two, I think, I, guys. So everyone out there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So I know you've had Jen here on your podcast. Um, she talked a little bit, mentioned fertility awareness. I'm the one who got her on board, uh, got her connected with Carrie Beatner, who was also on your podcast. And now it's like, we're all coming You together. got me connected um, with all of this. So it's all circle. It's all because of Jeanette, guys. Yes. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so fertility awareness, I'll start off by giving you that perspective as a nurse. And okay. it was that takes me back to 2017 when I'm having unprotected sex and I'm not pregnant and then I realize I don't know how to have sex to make a baby. This is this was far beyond just me. It, it's it's institutions of medical schools and nursing schools that are not training medical professionals to know how to understand and treat menstrual cycles. And what I mean by that is that it is not that your doctor does not know the normal length of a period. It's not that he doesn't know what estrogen and progesterone are doing during the menstrual cycle. It's that a lot of them have never even heard the word cervical mucus or cervical fluid. A lot of them do not know what fertility awareness methods are. And if they did learn, Cindy, I don't know if you remember this in nursing school, but what we're told in maybe this tiny little paragraph in our textbook is that they're ineffective. So just don't go there. And the reason why these things are labeled as ineffective is because in their conception in the 1930s, um, they were based out of this Catholic um, pers perspective of women in the Catholic Church not believing that birth control is acceptable. And so here you have doctors trying to figure out how to help women um, navigate this aspect of their fertility without use of a pharmaceutical birth control. Well, at that time, these forms were very ineffective. So a lot of women got pregnant. And this is what got studied in the literature. And doctors were told, like, let's not even look at that. These things don't work. But as fast forward now to 1960s, when like the first official method, the Billings method got developed, um, this was based on a lot of research from this uh, researcher called Eric Oda. I'm going to bomb his name, but this guy basically researched cervical mucus under a microscope and he learned so much. He, he, he pretty much educated us and taught us that there's cervical mucus that your cervix produces on particular days of your cycle. And the pH of it is different depending on where you're at. So this mucus has the power to literally kill sperm 
<laughs> I mean, really think about it. If you are infertile, it's because there is something in your body that's actively working as your birth control. But if you are in a separate part of your cycle where you are meant to get pregnant, this, this fluid changes in nature. It changes in pH and it becomes inviting to the sperm and it carries it like it transports it and keeps it alive to wait for that egg. So it's a very important component in pregnancy and it gets left out of medical textbooks. We don't get taught that. And it's obviously, it's a big way in which women who use fertility awareness are able to track their fertility and determine on any given day whether you are fertile or infertile. For me, I encountered this basically by accident. I was simply trying to get pregnant. And the first thing that I Googled was things about checking your basal body temperature. I did not know this was attached to particular methods of fertility charting. I just knew I needed to chart, then I needed to look the certain way, and it would tell me if I had ovulated. Well, I did that for months, and I realized that I couldn't make sense of it because my temperatures were all over the place. I didn't even know what I was doing um, because there's a lot of like rules involved where you have to wake up at a certain time. You have to use a specific type of thermometer. And... Um, but also around the same time, I was also learning that if you didn't have a chart that looks like this, it could indicate that you were having problems with your thyroid. And at that time, I was already experiencing, like, if you Google a chart of the symptoms of a uh, hypothyroidism, you're going to come up with like a list of like 30, 40, 50 symptoms. I was living most of my 20s with over 20 of those symptoms. Um, it was hardcore, obvious thyroid problems. And every time I would go to my doctors because they their labs told them that I was normal, they didn't they didn't treat me. They didn't pay attention to me because it, a thyroid problem is something that just happens to everybody and we have to wait for your labs to be so bad so that I can give you a lifetime pill to take for the rest of your life. There is no cure. You just suck it up. Well, I just didn't buy that. First of all, I was not going to mm. sit here and wait for me to get that sick. Like I'm literally like I felt like my chart was giving me signs, like an actual thing that I could take to my doctor. Finally, because by this time I had seen like 10 different doctors, like primaries, nurse practitioners, wow. OBGYNs, um, ophthalmologists, psychologists, chiropractor. Like I know this doesn't even tie into, but I was having so many symptoms, Cindy. Mm -hmm. I, I was like all over the place. I, I saw a. Uh, endocrinologist I saw like just a neurologist <laughs> like my symptoms were all over the place and no one could wow. tie it together and so basically uh when it came to NAPRO technology I literally learned from listening to a podcast the Fertility Friday podcast literally taught me everything that I know <laughs> <laughs> about fertility um and it just kind of started through there. But what I learned from NAPRO technology, I know you talked about it, but this probably have to be another episode, but it basically right. addresses the root cause of your fertility. And what I knew is that none of my doctors were paying attention to finding the root cause. So if I was going mm. to go through with IVF or more invasive procedures, I needed to know what was wrong with me. And yeah. this really has been my journey ever since. I have a friend that sounds very similar, and I really hope that she listens to this. Um, she knows who she is, <laughs> but mm -hmm. because she's on a similar journey and she's very much wanting answers like you, and she's not satisfied with what the traditional OBGYNs are telling her. 
Um, because like you said, they kind of just throw, um, either like pills to stimulate ovulation or let's start there and, you know, kind of move forward to the IUIs, IVF. And with someone that doesn't want to do that, it's hard because it's like, what do you do now? You know, and, and I'm so happy that you've opened this door for me, you know, I was able to get pregnant with Yandel, but if for whatever reason, like I can't next time, I know that I can turn to this methods and these practitioners. And it's so awesome that you're opening that door for so many women. Like you really are. Your story is shining such a big light on that for people like her, you know, even for people like, like me and Carla that I do want to start charting at some point just to see, you know, like what's going on in more than just like my trying to conceive in more than that, you know, because it is more than that. So I'm glad that you pushed for those answers because you're Thank helping you, so many other women. Um, and I guess and I'll just add that there's no uh, NAPRO technology doctor in El Paso, Texas. Um, I right. see my doctors through telemedicine um, and they are covered by insurance because they're real doctors. And uh, as far as charting goes, you know, this is not through the Creighton method, but I'm just going to say it. If anybody's interested in wanting to learn more, El Paso, uh, I don't know if anybody is familiar with El Paso Guiding Star. They're located off of Montana. And um, no. I don't know if this is still the case, but they they had a they have a particular educator that offers free billings t- teaching, which is a mucus only method. It is free. People don't know this. But I will add, um, just for your listeners who are not Catholic-based and may have a problem with the religious theology behind it, um, I just do want to go ahead and, and give you that heads up that this this program is, is amazing. It's fascinating and that they're doing this amazing thing for the community, but it is um it has a lot of the, the Catholic theology behind the teachings. So just know that it's available. Um, if, if this is something that would really bother your listeners and they don't want to have that, um, they can always, uh, find another educator who doesn't teach with, uh, those, uh, beliefs they would obviously have to probably pay out of pocket for that if their insurance doesn't cover it. Yeah. Thank you for letting us know. I did not know about the El Paso guiding star. So I'm definitely going to look into it as well, just to have that as, you know, a resource for people. I did not know we had that. So that's awesome to know. Thank you for sharing that. Um, So I think when we do our part two with you, I think we'll focus a lot more on the fertility awareness and NAPRO and how that really has helped you find answers. Um, So that'll be a part two for the listeners out there. But Mm -hmm. can you talk to us about the impact that this journey has had emotionally on you and your husband and how has it affected your marriage? I know that you don't like to focus a lot on the negativity, but I mean, I don't know if it's safe to assume that there have been like sad times um, as well. So if you could speak about that. Thank you, Cindy. Um, I wouldn't use the word that it's affected our marriage. I'd like to use the word it has evolved our marriage. My husband and I, we both practice meditation. And what I've noticed is that the skills that we learned from meditation really truly spills into our marriage because our marriages live through presence and awareness in all that we do. 
about a year into infertility, my husband and I made a pact with each other. And we said that no matter what would happen, whether we never become parents, that we would still be a thriving, happy team. And really, we live our lives um, very present with that. It's not to say that it's easy. In fact, if I if I was being honest, I feel like maybe some of the the stab that I feel every once in a while is that my husband is the most optimistic person I've ever met in my life that I sometimes think he forgets we're infertile. Like, I mm. seriously don't think my husband realizes that we can't get pregnant sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> because to him, he doesn't, I mean, obviously women, women are always tracking. We're like taking ovulation kids. We're like in it, we're in it, right? Men just show up for the show. <laughs> so unless I'm like actively crying or grieving my infertility, like he's there to listen to me, but my husband always has something positive, something, something beautiful to say that keeps me refocused on the path and, and on, on our goal at hand, which is primarily that it's us, that it's our marriage, what comes first. And we want to live by these principles because in the event that God ever blesses us with a family, we want to, we want to parent with that example that in this marriage, we see, we see this relationship like a triangle um, where God is at the top and it's him and I at the bottom. And we're both chasing for God individually. And we meet at the top together. Our children are important, but they, they're not above us and they're not above God. They, they are going to be part of our team. And so for us, I would say more for me, when I have moments where I forget, and, I, and I, I went through a very difficult year last year because my husband who's in the army got deployed for, and, and I lost an entire year to infertility. That was so painful because it literally was one of those things where I had to stop. Like I was forced to have to stop to get pregnant. And then he shows up <laughs> just a few months ago and it's like, Oh, we're gonna start trying again, and I—I I was not mentally ready. Like I had to—I had to do so much shifting in my head to just be at peace with what I felt I was robbed from, and it hurt so much that I had to—that I had—I I don't think I was very open about this in my in my Instagram community because there was a lot that I was processing and a lot that I feel that I still am. Um, but that was that was very difficult for me. And I think that when when you ask the question like how this affects me, it's it's really an ongoing process because obviously I'm still not pregnant, um, but I I come back to to our present moment and that present moment is that I am not a mother but I am a wife, and in my hands I have the power to to live in the gratitude of how beautiful my marriage is, how wonderful my husband is, and I'm either gonna sit here and wake up and and cry in front of him or force him and get into that anxiety of, of timing sex at the perfect time. And I just don't want to do that, Cindy. I, I, I don't want to do that. I just want mm -hmm. to live in the present moment. And I'm so thankful that my husband um, just drives the show with his positivity.
You left me speechless, literally. Because what you're saying is so true, right? Like we decided to get married or start a family or start our journey with the partner that we chose. And, you know, it can come in trial times and it can be it can be very detrimenting to like your relationship and the way that you are acting and, you know, your thoughts. But I think it's beautiful what you're saying and how you keep that positivity going because, I mean, damn, it's taking me like a couple of like therapy sessions just to even see that, like I need to focus and being in the moment and here you are speaking and like just kind of reaffirming that thought because, I mean, I'm, I'm a lot more open about sexuality than Cindy is. But what you were saying is like you don't want to be timing sex. Right, because yes, that is the way we're gonna have a baby, but that part of our relationship and that part of like our womanhood shouldn't just be oh, we're only having sex to make a baby. Then it takes the beauty right. out of everything that we're doing and the reason why we're bonding, why we're having that sexual experience with our spouse is for that bonding time, is for that extra connection. And I mean, I've been guilty of it when you start thinking like this is just the way for me to get pregnant. This is just And then, you know, like, this is just the method that's going to happen. And we kind of, like, lose track of what it really is, the purpose of it. And it's to bond with our spouse. It's to bond with who we are as women. And what you're saying is that let's not time it. And it's true. You don't want to get so, like, sucked into this hole that I've been guilty of. So hearing your story and kind of, like, it even regrounds me of, like, don't get dragged into the hole again. And seeing women that are so strong and badass like you like thinking about that and reaffirming it and sometimes you just need to hear it right like my therapist might tell me something my friends may tell me something and it's until you it's like you hear the right words at the right time from the right person mm-hmm. it's so random and then I'm like that's true I needed to hear that today so thank you so much <laughs> for that because I don't want to get into that I don't want to get dragged into this and it's so beautiful what you're saying and I'm telling you you're literally leaving me speechless and I'm like over here tearing up Every time you speak, because it's so relatable what you're saying. And that's just what I want to mm. remind everybody, too, is that we're in it together one way or another. And sometimes it feels really dark. And sometimes it really feels like it's only you that is going through it. And while we may not be right. walking on the same road and on the same path because we all have our own journeys, we may be two streets over. Right? Like, we may see each other at the corner and be like, hey, we're getting through this together. And we may meet at the park later on in five, 10 years. And like, hey, well, I took I-10 and you took 54, but hey, we're still here, right? And that's what that's what I'm like so happy what this community is doing for everybody. And like you literally making me tear all the time. <laughs> and I'm usually <laughs> talking, I'm like usually a chatterbox and all these things, but it's what you're saying. And like, thank you so much. Like what you're saying right now, like, see that I say this, like, oh yeah, we're doing the podcast to help women. And every episode is like, oh dang, that was for me. Like. Oh, I learned something. It's like yes. my personal one-on-one with someone. And it's it speaks so much to me today. And like, I was like, damn, I really need to hear that today. To not, you know, we start charting. That's, and, oh, thank you so much. Yeah, that's beautiful. 
That's beautiful that you say that, um, Carla, because I feel like, you know, it, it's interesting that you say that you have to have this podcast to listen to this. But in reality, if we just stop and listen to our friends and we get really real with each other, you don't need a mm. podcast. You don't need a microphone. You don't need a platform. You have a story to tell. And I think that mm -hmm. that only happens, you know, in the beginning, I tried to, to say, you know, a lot of us, we forget that we get raised in this culture where we're pushed to get educated. We have to be strong women and no son de hadas, you know, you speak Spanish. Um, but then we forget to touch back on our femininity, our gentleness, our kindness. And so when we're gathering together as women, everybody, everybody can be vulnerable. Everybody can share the, the painful aspects of themselves, their birth stories, and, and connect with others who feel the same way. And I think that maybe our job is is really just to listen and not not offer advice mm. not talk about anything just listen and i think this is what's so beautiful about this podcast that you're just allowing women to talk and and you two are listening and, and i just i'm so grateful for that and, and if you have listeners that are enjoying this i really encourage them to go and review your podcast because i i can't believe that you're putting this out there in el paso Like I'm literally calling out mm. any El Pasoan who's actually listening and and getting fed off of this podcast in wisdom and in knowledge. If you're going to change your life because of something that you heard, go review this podcast. Go that that goes a long way. And it's not it's mm. not to to get your ego up. It's because you want this podcast to go help everybody else in your community. <laughs> this is powerful. Yeah. Thank you, Janae. Yes. I mean, I think Carla said it perfectly and I think a lot of times we're recording and I'm like I think I do this more for myself than anyone else because I learned so much and like the words that everyone says I'm just like like I thought it was beautiful that you're like I'm not a mother but I am a wife at this moment and I think it's very easy during journeys like this where you're struggling to get pregnant you know for you to kind of let your marriage crumble because of the pressure and of mm -hmm. the you know wanting this future and thinking you're not going to have it and putting so much emphasis on that, that your marriage suffers a lot. And so what happens if you do end up having a child, but your marriage is trash? It's like, okay, we have the end goal, quote unquote, but now we can't stand each other. And so it's like, now we have to raise this kid, but me and you don't even like each other anymore. Like it's been too much, you know? So I think what you said, like, that's so true for anyone that's struggling and having, you know, infertility to focus on your marriage and to really put energy there. Because at the end of the day, like even me and Carla, like we've talked about this before about our kids are going to leave. Like as much as we hate to think about that day, like Yandel is going to leave one day. And who am I left with? Like, I'm left with Chris, like, you know, and it's like, if at that, if at that point, we're like, dude, I cannot stand you, you know, like, what is it then? Like, we're going to be left with each other at the end of all of it. So we do have to nurture that relationship, because that's the one that's gonna remain, you know what I mean? So I thought that was great that that you said that. Um, let's see, for I am going to skip one of the questions because I think we'll just save that for part two. So I'll go on to, um, for those who, women who are experiencing infertility and searching for answers, how can, I think, how can we be most helpful? Like for people 
that are their friends. Like Carla said, for people that are friends of someone that's having infertility and we haven't experienced it ourselves, how can we be the most helpful? And what would you say that we should avoid saying or, you know, what have you heard that you're like, oh my gosh, if I hear that one more time, I'm going to like, you know, scream at at them. I can't take it anymore. Again, thank you for, for this question because only someone with knowledge would ask a very smart question like the one you just did, Cindy. Um, and I, I want to start off by saying that, honestly, I don't know what you should tell your friends. My advice to anybody is to not take my advice and to ask your friend directly um, what she needs from you. If you cannot relate to infertility in any way, in fact, if you think this is just dumb, that this is like you can't understand why she's so devastated by a negative pregnancy test, this is a great opportunity for you to get curious. In general, I would say in life, we should just all do that about everything. Just get curious when you don't understand before you jump to anger, before you jump to assumptions. Um, Just ask because everybody grieves differently. And like I said in the beginning of this podcast is that I feel like my own experience through infertility is very unique and that I have a lot of hope and a lot of positivity around my thoughts and my marriage but not everybody has the same support. Not everybody has the same mind frame. And 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 to you, if if it's a 23-year-old that's telling you, I, I, I'm I can't get pregnant and she's suffering and she's struggling, the answer to in your head is like she's so young, she still has 20 years. But what you're not getting, what you're missing when you make that assumption is that you're bypassing the loss. Because to that 23-year-old, she wanted to be pregnant last year. So in her in her family planning goals, you don't know if she wanted five children. And to her, it's important to have a child at 23 because she wants to space her kids in a specific time. And I know it sounds crazy, especially if you're thinking, no, you shouldn't plan family. It should just be a gift of God or it should just be um, something that just happens. It's not like that for everybody. And everybody's going to have their own ideas around family planning. And unless you ask, you just don't know. On a personal level, I'll I'll share. Um, Well, I'll also add your pregnancy announcements on Facebook burn. (laughs) They hurt somebody. And you may think you don't know anybody with infertility, but one in eight couples struggle with infertility. That means you know somebody, but that person that you know is not telling you because they're afraid of how you're going to react. You, without knowing, can say some very hurtful things. And what are those hurtful things? They're actually not very hurtful questions. It's a simple answer like, oh, when are you going to have kids? Who in the who in their mind would think that is hurtful or insulting? Well, if someone is going through infertility for five years and they took a pregnancy test that day and it was negative and you ask that question, that hurts. That's painful. Right. Whether you understand it or not, it hurts. When you invite them to your baby shower, that hurts. It's not that they're mad at you. It's not that they hate your baby. It's that it's a reminder that everybody else is pregnant except them. You're on your fifth pregnancy. She can't even have one. It hurts. There is loss. And I don't care if it's a 40-year-old woman grieving or if it's a 23-year-old woman grieving. She she deserves that space to be able to grieve that. And if you cannot offer her that space, 
Just don't ask those questions. In fact, I would invite your listeners right now as they're listening to make a commitment to never again ask another woman when she's having children. That is the most inappropriate questions anybody could ever ask to, to a random person. And, and it's not that it's, again, it's not that it's a bad question because a lot of women may not even care if you ask, but the truth is, is that you don't know who you're asking. So just don't ask. And if somebody's going to share, they're going to share. Um, and, and again, for me, what would work for me, because this is what has made my heart so thankful for my friends is, and, and I'm not saying this is the same for everybody. In the last couple of months, I've had two of my friends tell me that they're pregnant alone and they they like one of them called me and said before I announce on Facebook I know what you're going through and I wanted you to know first and that was in that moment I grieved that I couldn't get pregnant but immediately after my first thought is that I need to praise God and thank him for the beautiful friend that he just gave me that she would think of me in her joy that she would know this is something that may not be appropriate for my friend who I haven't seen in years, but let me protect her. Let me nurture her that way. For me, that was a lot. I had another friend texted me. And in the beginning, I was like, oh, that's very hurtful. She just like randomly told me I'm pregnant. But then I realized she hadn't told her family yet. She had just found out she's sick. She's throwing up and she thought about me and she included me. And I just felt so loved. I felt so loved that I didn't have to find out on social media. And then another thing that women do because they don't know how to address it, they ignore. They ignore the woman. I'm just I'm just going to do my thing. Oh, it's going to hurt her. Let me not invite her to my baby shower. No, 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 no. You if you if you are the a true friend, you're going to speak to her in private. I don't know I don't know if this is something that you do through text, in person, through a phone call. It's different for everybody. This is why I'm saying you need to talk to your friend if you are someone who's planning to have babies and you know someone who's going through infertility, why don't you start that conversation before you get a pregnancy test? Why don't you ask, hey, I know you're struggling. If I get, um, me and my husband are trying, how how can I tell you? I want to be sensitive to you. And I cannot promise you that this woman is going to react in grace and is going to love you through it. Maybe she's going to be angry. Maybe she's going to be sad. Maybe she's going to be, I don't know. But you know what? If you If you thought of her, if you included her, if you asked then it's on her now to to know how to what to do with those feelings but just don't don't uh, to me i would say and this is a really long answer but don't don't ignore the pain don't ignore the loss and be inviting in in a very uh, private way don't invite all your girlfriends to a dinner and then break it out <laughs> to some people it may just be a text other people need the in-person, I don't know what it is. Do not take my story as the only way, but ask. Right. No, I think, yeah, thank you for that. I think me and Carla are just speechless this whole time. Um, <laughs> but I think that's one thing not to ignore. I think that's a big, a big deal. I think when I had my miscarriages, I think that was one thing where I decided immediately that I would share with anyone I knew because I'm like, even if I make you feel awkward, I think just saying it and you don't know why, you, you know, then I don't expect you to know what to say. I don't expect, but I, 
I do want to share because I'm going to open that door for people. You know, and not everyone feels comfortable, but I feel that it was important in my journey to open that door because then, like you said, those people that are doing this very, you know, handling everything in silence start to come out and say, hey, you know what, like I'm in a similar situation or I had something similar happen and you start to find your community and you start to find those people that will be there for you. So I think, yeah, I totally agree with you said, don't ignore those people, Um, love on them as much as you can, right? And I would add that again, because not everybody thinks like me, that sometimes this friend is not going to want to talk to you. And sometimes this friend Mm -hmm. does not want to go to your baby shower. And for you to Mm -hmm. turn it around and say, she's a horrible human. I can't believe she couldn't be happy for me and be in my baby shower. That's also a a thought that needs work. Mm -hmm. um, That needs talking out through because that can literally break a a friendship. And, And I think that we can get rid of that if we speak with honesty, if we speak with authenticity and we just get our feelings out there and be okay when your friend is not ready to accept mm-hmm. or to be happy for you. Um, there's, there's a lot of emotions with infertility. So just be, be open and be loving. Yeah. And Jeanette, I think um, to kind of wrap this up, what what would your be your be your biggest piece of advice for women that are on this you know infertility journey and what would you tell them? Oh, on an infertility journey, huh? <laughs> well, I think for me, what's really made a big difference is that from the very very beginning, I got very very clear with my wants and my needs. And I figured out very early on in my infertility journey that I wanted to be a mother, but I did not need to be one to be okay and to be happy Mm -hmm. and to be productive and to be mothering and to be birthing things into the earth. So, if anyone's listening that's struggling to get pregnant, and I guess you could even apply that to anything else that you're doing, get really real with what you want and know how to differentiate what you really need. Because at the end of the day, we really don't need a lot. A lot of the stuff that we're striving for, a lot of the stuff that we think is going to make us happy is really just a distraction from us really understanding ourselves. I am so thankful for fertility awareness for my menstrual cycle because coming home to my body in that way allowed me the ability to get to know who I was. And when I knew who I was, I was able to surrender motherhood to God because I knew That if I was not meant to have children, I could still mother in different ways. And for me, it came in the the shape of sharing my story and teaching other women about their menstrual cycle and their fertility and their hormones. But to you, 
or to anybody else. It may look different, but you have power. And don't ever underestimate the changes that you can make that are going to take you and elevate your life. Sometimes we forget. If you're a mother, you know you don't have time to put your makeup on. You don't have time to go shopping, get your hair done. And I love how Carla said, you know, in the beginning, I am a woman first and foremost. And, and I have found through listening to mother stories that women forget that they're women because they only identify with breastfeeding, with, with their, what their child is going to eat, with taking them to soccer practice, with doing this, doing that. And when are you giving you, you, when are you giving your husband his wife? And there's so many other things that come before that. And, and I think that for anybody with infertility, I'm not saying infertility is a gift, but you have a different gift that other mothers don't have. So be present with that. Thank you. Thank you for all that. I think this is yeah. a beautiful story, right? Like we, we're going to kind of sit with ourselves, think about everything that we've been discussing today. And Janet, thank you so much for sharing this, being so vulnerable, being so open and so raw with your emotions, because sometimes we just need to hear that, right? We just need to hear the the stories from everybody. And I'm so excited once we move into part two and kind of like for you to share all that extra knowledge that you have because you had a reason to look for it. And I love that you're sharing it with women on social media. You're sharing it with us today and with the connections you make day to day, right? Because that's the whole point is that we, nobody gets a medal for having the most knowledge in their brain and keeping it to themselves. It's a disservice to women. It's a disservice to your community. So I'm eager to have you here again Thank to share you. all the other knowledge. And we're probably going to sit here and be like, oh, I didn't know that. And then it's Carla's CT <laughs> therapy session. <laughs> I know. For ourselves to make notes about ourselves. And, you know, hoping that whatever we say, whatever silly things we say here, um, you know, even if it's three seconds of this podcast, 10 seconds of this podcast, if you learn something, we've done our job. So. Thank you, ladies. Love it. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Jeanette, for mothering us. I really liked how you said that because I do feel that you've mothered me personally and um, through your Instagram and learning. And even when I, you know, message you and stuff, you've mothered me in a way that my mother didn't know how. And it's not of a fault of her own, right? It's because she didn't know. And so. Thank no, you. <laughs> I'm like, don't cry. Don't cry. <laughs> but seriously, thank you. And although your physical children are not here yet, um, thank you for mothering so many. And with that said, thank you, Jeanette, for, for having, you know, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, girls.